Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, let's get into this. Uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17. I want to start reading with verse, I think I gave, I started with verse 9. Arise and get to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. The the Lord's uh, speaking to Elijah. Arise, get to Zarephath, which belongs to to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called her and he said, fetch me. I I just love that language. Fetch. Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and he said, bring me, I pray thee, a little morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives... I do not have a cake, but I have a little handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And I'm gathering two sticks. This is her plan. I'm gathering two sticks. I'm going to go in. I'm going to make this meal and this oil. I'm going to use that. Me and my son are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Now listen to the prophet's response. Verse 13, fear not. Go and do whatever you plan on doing. Me and my son, we're going to die. That's fine. But before you go off and die, it is very important. (laughs) Fear not, go and do as you have said, but make me thereof a little cake. Everybody shout the next word. Everybody shout the next word. First. But make me thereof a little cake first that I may bring it unto me. And then after that, make for you and your son. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how offended this female must have been? Make you a cake first. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, hallelujah, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Jump back up to verse 13. Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as you have said, but Make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to me. And then after that, make for you and your son. For thus said the Lord God of Israel, the barrel will not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Now, when as as a as a the pastor of a church, you have you, you you have to try your best to feed the church what I would consider to be a balanced diet, so to speak, for lack of a better term. You want a church that is uh, on fire and burning for Jesus, but you also want a church that you've taught and empowered to walk in blessing. You want a church that's burning, but you also want a church that's walking in blessing. You have to find, you have to strike this interesting uh, balance between being spirit-led, but also being strategic at the same time, all right? So this is one of those things that I'm going to teach over the next couple of weeks that I believe is spirit-led, yes, but it's also strategic for where I believe we're going. Now, I want to teach for the next couple of weeks, because the last two weeks that I was here, and then I skipped a week, I was out of town. Last two weeks I was here, I was kind of hard on you guys. I understand that. I've repented to the Lord about it. Um, And he said it was fine, go. (laughs) Um, But I want to teach 
how to walk in the blessing. Does anybody besides me want to know how to walk in the blessing? Heard a pastor tell this story one time when God was teaching him about uh, walking and living in blessing because I believe that God wants you blessed in every area of your life. I believe he wants you blessed in your finances. It is amazing how people get upset when you start talking about God blessing you. They always ask me, now are you one of them prosperity preachers? Well, I'm not a poverty preacher if that's the other alternative, Okay. Are you one of those blessing preachers? Well, I'm not a cursing preacher, if that's the other alternative. And so when we start talking about this, people get get unsettled. They get unfurled a little bit. Jesus did not come to the earth just so when you died, you could go to heaven. That is not the purpose of Jesus' cross. Jesus did not come just so that when you died, you could go to heaven. If I really had time to teach you, I would teach you that when Jesus came and died on the cross, he did not die so you wouldn't have to. He died so he could teach you how to die on the cross. Because he said, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's why Paul said, I died daily. That's why Paul said, I was crucified with him. Are you with me? When Jesus came to the earth, he did not come to the earth just to give you fire insurance against hell. He said, when I come, I'm coming to give you life, and I'm coming to give you life more abundantly. That's why all through your Bible, it says things like this. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. That's why he told the people of Israel, I've given you the power to get wealth so you can establish my covenant in the earth. That's why David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their seed begging for bread. That's all through your Bible. That's what it says. As a matter of fact, over in Proverbs, this is going to really mess with you. He says, riches and blessing will follow those that heed to my words. Riches and blessing. And he ain't talking about this foolish language you come up with. He's talking about spiritual riches. What is that? Solomon was not concerned with spiritual riches. Solomon was making it rain. Do you understand? That means he had a lot of money, white folk. That's what that means. Solomon had some money. He's like, they made it rain. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Can you agree with me about it? God wants you blessed. Let me try it over here. Can you agree with me about it? God wants you blessed. He wants peace in your mind. He wants joy in your marriage. He wants harmony in your home. He wants your kids walking and serving God. He wants you to have not just enough. He wants you to have more than enough to do everything he's called you to do. Can I get a witness from somebody? God wants you blessed. So I remember hearing this pastor tell this story when he was talking about the blessing of God and how God taught him about the blessing. He was an evangelist at one time. And if back in the day when evangelist, it was real hard being an evangelist. Okay, you could go to church, preach three weeks, they give you $150. Okay, it ain't right the way they churches treat evangelists. We make sure we treat our evangelists very well. It ain't right. I had a preacher. I had a preaching friend of mine one time. He went and preached for a week, and as an offering, they gave him a Dr Pepper. They're like, praise God. He went and preached another week somewhere else. They gave him a T-shirt. Praise God. It ain't right. And uh, he was uh, was a traveling evangelist, so he never knew knew what he would have coming in. He never knew if this church might give me $1,000, this other church might give me $100, this church might not give me anything. So he had to believe God and believe God and believe God. So there he was, and he was married at the time. So him and his wife, they go to preach at this event uh, at the first of the month, and this was the only event that he had for that month. So he had to really believe God. He had to really believe God because he saw a budgeting problem 
coming, okay? And when he went to this church, he preached and did his thing, and God spoke to him. When he went and he told him, I'm going I'm to meet your need. I'm going to provide for you. So he goes, he preaches at this meeting. And then after it's over, he knew in the back of his mind, this is the only date that I have this month. So God, you got to come through. After it's over, the pastor walks up to him and he says, I am so glad to tell you this, that we have taken up the biggest offering in the history of this church for you here it is and he handed him a check and it was to the dollar everything he would need for that entire month now, everybody shouts about that right Later on uh, in the afternoon, there, were, there was a missionary there that same night that told a little bit about the work that God was doing where he was at. And after he received that check from the pastor, God spoke to the evangelist who's relaying this story. God spoke to the evangelist and he said, I want you to take that check and I want you to give every dime of it to that missionary. Ain't nobody clapping now. When God came through, everybody like, hey. When God started talking about giving, everybody's like, So he said, I want you to give that entire check. So he fought with God, right? You've ever, you ever fought with God when God tells you to do something and God will not relent? Yes. He's like, you, you ever have your kids be like, daddy, 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 daddy. That's how the Holy Ghost says, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. Like, okay. So he walks up to this missionary. He don't tell his wife. Walks up to the missionary. He says, don't tell anybody about this. God told me to give this to you. So he gives them the check, they walk off. They go out that night to eat, with the, after the service is over, they go out to eat that night, and he's sitting across the table from a businessman that's in the church. And he's sitting there and they're talking, and he's thinking in the back of his mind, oh my God, what am I gonna do? And this businessman looks at him, he barely knew him, he looks at him and he says, so how much was your offering tonight? Which you should never do. He said, so, so how much was your offering tonight? He said, I was so taken back that I told him. He said, it was for X amount. He goes, let me see the check. And he didn't want the man to know that God had told him to give it to the missionary. He said, uh, this is the evangelist, right, about to lie. Um, he said, uh, my, my wife has it. He goes, okay, that's fine. They were at, eating at a pizza place. This wife was sitting on the very end. He said, that's fine. Go, tell, go, get, go get it from your wife. Let me see it. So he's like, all right. All right, so he gets up, he walks to the end of the table, he looks at his wife, and he says, how's the pizza? She said, it's fine. He said, great. Walks back and sits down, tells the man, oh, she, she, left, she left it out in the car, like the car was in Egypt. She left it out in the, the car. He goes, oh, okay, that's fine. Well, go get it. I'm not in a hurry. So now he's like, well... I don't have the check. The businessman said, I know you don't because God spoke to me that he was going to speak to you to give the offering. And then he told me to write you a check for the offering that he gave. Then he handed him his check and it was four times the amount that he had received in the original offering. Now everybody clapping, right? 
couple of weeks later, he's, at, he's, uh, he's, on a, he's on the mission field, him and his wife, and they're driving around in this raggedy old van. Or I'm, I'm sorry, they're, they're driving to another service, him and his wife, in this, this beautiful van. And the, when he pulls up to the church, or when he pulls up to the man's house, the man that owns the van, he had just bought this brand new van. He says, here, help me get all my stuff out of this. Help me get all my stuff out of this. So they start digging their stuff out. They start getting all the stuff. This is back when they had cassette tapes. They start getting the cassette tapes. He goes, why are you, why are you uh, cleaning out your van? He goes, because this ain't my van anymore. This is your van. God gives him a van. He drives the van home. He tells his wife. Then a couple of weeks later, God speaks to him and says, give the van away. He gives the van away. And a week later, God does not give him one vehicle. God gives him two vehicles. See, I ain't getting nobody to help me this morning. In 18 months, he gave away nine cars and God had gave him 12. He said in the span of just in, in the span of a short amount of time, our income skyrocketed because God was teaching me about walking in the blessing. Our income skyrocketed. He said, Me and my wife were living on 30% of our income, giving away 70, and that 30% of our income exceeded anything we had ever made before in our life because we were walking in the blessed life. He said, I was sitting at home one day thinking, I he said, I was sitting at home thinking, you can't outgive God. Yeah. You ever heard that statement? You can't outgive God. Yeah. He had had cars and all this stuff and money just left and right. God was blessing him. Is he, y'all with me? Y'all okay this morning? God was blessing him. He's sitting at home and God speaks to him and says, okay, I want you to give your house away. No claps. <laughs> Not a single solitary soul. He said, I want you to give your house away. I want you to empty out your bank account and give it away. And the two cars sitting in the driveway, I want you to give every one of those away. He's thinking... Isn't it amazing how God can prove himself for 18 months and then we still stumble over a commandment? So God says, I want you to give it all away. So he does. He, gives, he empties out his bank account. He gives it away. Gives the two cars away. Gives the house away. As the house is empty, he stands in his house. He's standing in his house, empty, because he just gave it to somebody. They're getting ready to move in. And he says, I think to myself, I've, I've, I've done it. <laughs> I've, I've outgiven God. He said, before that sentence completed itself in my mind, I've outgiven God. My cell phone rings. And he said, when I pick the cell phone up, there's a businessman on the phone. And he said, God spoke to me to buy you an airplane. And God spoke to me to pay for the pilot, the maintenance, the hangar, the fuel. Anytime you ever need to go anywhere, God has spoke to me to take complete care of you and do whatever you need me to do. And then he said, I heard the Holy Ghost speaking to my heart. Gotcha. Come on, somebody. Are you, aren't you glad to serve a God that you cannot outgive him? See, everybody, see, everybody loves, everybody loves. Everybody loves talking about new house, new car, Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. Everybody loves that part. Right? If you could just stand back from my vantage point and see the ebb and the flow of the celebration, God told him to give his house. Crickets. And then God gave him a plane. Somebody shout, Lord, I got. The blessed life is available. But there are some principles that we have to come up under in order for God to release his blessing into our life to that degree. And I came this morning to talk about a few of them. Can we do that? All right. Number one, 
You ready? Go ahead and write this down. The number one most important foundational principle that we have to incorporate and submit to in our life is this, the tithe. Everybody just say that with me, tithe. Now, can I teach you for a minute? Can I quit yelling and teach you for a minute? Can I quit yelling and teach you for a minute? The word tithe means this. Write this down. The word tithe means tenth. means tenth. It means 10% of your sanctified gross income. Gross income. Before Uncle Sam gets his and before the iPhone gets theirs and before Netflix takes out their $12.99, okay, it is the tenth of the sanctified gross income. Now, here's the part I want to teach you. A lot of times, especially in church today, whenever you start talking about tithing, people uh, bridle against it and they buck up against it and they say things like this. Well, tithing is an Old Testament principle. You don't see tithing in the New Testament. Tithing is an old covenant principle. We don't live according to the old covenant. We live according to the new covenant. The glory be to God. I don't have to tithe anymore. I don't have to tithe. Well, if you want to play the game, he asked for a tenth in the old covenant. In the new covenant, he asked for everything. So let's run back to the Old Testament. What do you say? No, we argue, we argue that, that, that tithing is not New Testament. Tithing is Old Testament. Now watch. The very first time in your Bible, people that are in my small group will know this as the first mention principle. The very first time tithing is mentioned in your Bible is not when God institutes tithing under the law with Aaron. That's the thing that we believe we've been set free from when Jesus came. We've been set free from the law, and the law includes tithing, okay? The first time tithing is instituted, it never happens with Aaron. It actually happens with Abraham and Melchizedek. Your Bible says that Abraham gave tithes of all to Melchizedek. That's why, Jesus, that's why the Bible calls Jesus a priest after the order of Melchizedek and not after the order of Aaron, Tithing was instituted before the law ever showed up. We are, your Bible says in Galatians, children of Abraham by faith. Your Bible says something interesting in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is my, my most favorite book. I, I, hang in here with me. Let, me. let me just teach this to you, and, and we'll, 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 sh we'll shout in just a second. Your Bible says something very interesting in the book of Hebrews when it's talking about Melchizedek. It says this, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness because he's a baby, but strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's into Hebrews chapter number five. He is talking about people that have grown to the place where they no longer need milk, they need meat. And for years, I wondered what that meant. What does that mean? We always think in church that meat means all the deep, spiritual, ninth-level, prophetic, dream, vision, Ezekiel-type stuff. He actually tells us what the meat of the Bible is. And the, the verses preceding him talking about milk and meat and the verses coming after him talking about milk and meat are the verses where he is teaching us about Melchizedek. He said, you are getting into the meat of the word when you understand how Melchizedek functioned. Okay? Y'all with me? Good. Now, your Bible says something interesting about Melchizedek. It says that Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without descent. 
having neither beginning of days nor end of life. I've got 11 minutes left. I can already tell you that ain't going to happen. So y'all need to send the message to the setup crew. Without father, let, actually, let me let you turn there real quick. Uh, put your finger in 1 Kings. We're going to come back to that. Go to, over to Hebrews real fast. Is this all right? Yes. Don't you love the Bible? Three of you, praise God. Go over to uh, Hebrews real quick, real quick, real quick. If you're in Revelation, going back. If you're in Malachi, keep going. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. When you get there, say roll tight. Okay. When you get there, say go vols. There you go, Taylor. Give them the business. Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of Salem, king of Salem, he's actually talking about, he will expound on it further, he's the king of Jerusalem, 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 king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave, watch, a tenth part of all, or what? A tithe. First, being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that, also king of Salem, Shalom, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, he abides a priest continually. We'll look at verse 3 again. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually. Now look at me. People for years have taught, mistaught this verse. They have taught that Melchizedek was not an actual human being. They've taught, it's a theological term, that he was a theophany. Ain't that a good word? Everybody say theophany. They taught that he was a theophany, meaning that he was a, a incarnation of Jesus before the actual birth of Jesus. There are some things that highlight this through the Old Covenant when the Bible says in Daniel that Daniel saw a fourth man in the fire and that fourth man looked like the Son of God. That's called a theophany. That's when Jesus shows up in bodily form before his actual birth, okay? Or when Joshua saw the captain of the Lord's host, people believe that that was a theophany, that that was Jesus showing up in the flesh. And Joshua was so crazy, he about jumped on the Lord. Are you with us or against us? It was Jesus, okay? People have thought that Melchizedek was a theophany. That's not what he was at all. Melchizedek was a real person. Now watch. It says he had no father, no mother, no descent. No beginning of days, no end of life. People thought that Melchizedek, because he was a theophany, he was an eternal being, okay? That he never died, that he, he was never born and he never died without father, without mother, without descent. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. That is completely Incorrect. That's not what they're talking. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Watch. When the Bible talks about Melchizedek not having father, mother, or descent, this is what it's doing. It is contrasting Melchizedek's priesthood with Aaron's priesthood. In order to be a priest after the order of Aaron, you had to have be in the family of the priesthood. You with me? There was a tribe taken out of Israel named Levi. All of Levi's children are called the Levites right? They were sanctified and set apart unto God as his holy priesthood. Out of those Levites, there was a family that came out, the, 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 the progenitor or the patriarch, his name was Matri. Matri became the father of Aaron. That's where we get our high priest, our priest, and then our high priest after the order of Aaron, okay? If you wanted to be a priest under Aaron's priesthood, you had to be in the royal priestly genealogy. You had to be in the descent, 
and you became a priest at 30 years old. And when you reached age 55, your Bible says over numbers, it uses this language. It says that their priestly life ended. Okay. When he's talking about Melchizedek, he's not saying there's a man that was never born and never died. He's saying he did not have father or mother or descent, meaning he did not come from the tribe of Levi because Jesus, our high priest, didn't come from the tribe of Levi. He came from the tribe of the lion of the tribe of, okay? So Melchizedek did not come after Aaron's priesthood without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, meaning his priesthood did not start at 30 and end at 55. His priesthood was forever. That's why Jesus could not be our priest after the order of Aaron, or he would only be able to be our priest for 25 years. The reason he is the priest after the order of Melchizedek is because Melchizedek's priesthood has no beginning and it has no ending. That's why Hebrews said he lives forever to make intercession for us. If I had time to teach you, I would teach you that Jesus is still praying for you and Jesus is actually still fasting for you. Come on. See, we're getting a little hairy, right? You should come to a small group. Because Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine till I come in the fullness of my kingdom. Right? So without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Then Abraham gave a tenth part of all to Melchizedek, who was a priesthood that predated the law ever showing up. And the Bible says that Aaron and Melchizedek instituted, priest, instituted priesthood and instituted tithing. Then there is a parenthetical insertion called the law where Aaron received tithe of the people of Israel. And then Paul brings us back to Melchizedek in Galatians when he said, we are children after Abraham and not after Aaron. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we are not under the priesthood of Aaron. We are under the priesthood of Melchizedek from which our Lord and Savior found his own priesthood. Are you with me? Are you with me? That's why tithing is not an Old Testament ritual to be done away with. It has absolutely nothing to do with the law and everything to do with which priesthood we want to be submitted to. Now, when Aaron gave tithe to Melchizedek, what prompted him to tithe? Do you know? You don't know? You want to know? What prompted him to tithe? He tithes to Melchizedek at the end of Genesis chapter number 14. He also takes communion with him. It's the first time we see communion in the Bible. He gave him bread and wine. It's communion. What prompted him to tithe to Melchizedek? The first part of Genesis chapter number 14, Abraham is fighting a battle with kings. Remember that story? Right? You're going to read it in a few weeks when you start your one-year Bible over again. <laughs> Remember that story? He's fighting these kings. Bera and Bersha and Ketelam are the, the, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's fighting these kings. And then God grants him the victory over this battle. And as a response to this victory over the, over this, uh, to this battle that God has granted him, his natural reaction is, I've got to go give a tenth part of everything that God provided for me. I've got to go take it to the priesthood. He did not tithe because there was some law instituted that said, if you don't tithe, you're going to be 
cursed and your kids are going to die and all this is going to fall apart and you're going to be living on the street. That's not why he gave. He gave in a, as a reaction to a battle that God had won for him. Why do we tithe today? Not because we're afraid that some curse is going to come on us and God's going to kill our children. Why do we tithe? Because we're giving in response to a battle that God has already won for us. I need somebody to help me talk about it this morning. That's why we do it. That's why it is for us. That's why we don't neglect it or neglect it or ignore it. That's why it's not an old covenant promise. People that people that teach that stuff don't know anything about the Bible. It's not an old covenant promise. It precedes all that. So if we want to walk in the blessing, the foundation, the foundation has to be tithing. Now, I'm not those kind of, we ain't those kind of pastors that look to see who's given what, okay? We don't handle the bookkeeping of the church or anything like that. I do know that me and my wife are the biggest givers in this church, and we will make sure that we're the biggest givers in this church. I will fight you over being the biggest giver in this church. And if God sends us a billionaire, well, I'll fight him over the percentage, Because I've got to have the, number one, it's, it's right for me and my family. Number two, I've got to have the moral authority to stand up and say, God's putting a demand on your finances the same way he puts a demand on mine. And if I can submit to it, everybody can submit to it. Amen. Now, the issue of tithing is this. It is what I like to call the law of the first. Everybody say first. The law of the first. I'm, I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm probably more hardcore on this than I should be, but whenever money comes into my hand, the first thing that comes out is I tithe. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. It tithes. I tithe. I don't, I don't care what it is. I tithe. Before anybody gets paid, before them kids eat, I tithe because I believe in the law first. Now, in the book of Exodus, God tells them, this is before Aaron and the law, God tells them, Whenever you have a son, the firstborn belongs to me. Whenever you have a harvest, the first belongs to me. Whenever you have a lamb or a goat or a turtle dove, you give me the first one. Because tithing is actually a test of two things. Your love for God and your faith in God. This is why. When God told Israel, when you have a lamb, you give me the first one, he's dealing with their livelihood. He's dealing with what's going to feed their kids. You hearing what I'm saying? And God says, whenever you have the first one, you give it to me. He did not say have 500 and then give me a tenth. He said, the first one belongs to me. And Israel, you don't know how many you're going to have after that. You might have one more. You might have 10,000 more. The principle is not how many am I going to get out of this. The principle is the first belongs to God. And then I have to trust God that if I put the first in his hand, everything else that I need will flow out of that. It's like when you're sitting at home doing your budget. And I'm, we're, me and my wife, we're hardcore budgeters. You need to be a budgeter, all right? I don't know how people live without one. I, I, would, I would be on suicide watch if I didn't have a budget, all right? And 
when we sit down, we don't do, we don't say, restaurants, you know, $300. Cable, $150. iPhones, dear God, the, the $600, it's getting astronomical now, right? Clothing, car, and then whatever's left over, tithe. It don't work that way. Or if you're a young single person, right? McDonald's, $17. Gas, $3. Netflix, $12. And then tithe. Doesn't work that way. Because God's not getting the first. Right? Instead, tithe, and then everything I need flows out of that. That's why God says language like this. The only time God says in the Bible, if you will give your tithe, then you can prove me. That's what he's saying. Once you give me the first, this is what God's saying. Once you give me the first, you take the first and you hand it to me. God is saying, then it becomes my responsibility. Oh, hallelujah. God's saying, then it becomes my responsibility to make sure everything you need flows out of the first that you gave me. That's what he says when he, that's what he, that's what he says to Joshua. When he says, Joshua, I want you to go and I want you to conquer Jericho. And once you conquer Jericho, everything you take out of Jericho belongs to me. And you don't know if you're going to conquer one more city or a hundred other cities. You don't know how much money they have. You don't know how much livestock they have. You don't know how much substance or sustenance they have. All I'm going to tell you, Joshua, is that the first belongs to me, and then you have to believe that I'm going to provide for you out of that first that you gave me. And then somebody in Joshua's camp takes the first from God. And then when Joshua goes to fight his second battle, it is such an insignificant city that Joshua doesn't even send everybody and gets defeated. Why? Because he neglected the first. Right? Y'all with me? All right, watch. Let me, let me read this to you again. Flip back over to 1 Kings 17. Verse 10 Fetch me, I pray you, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and he said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said, That's fine, go die. But before you do, <laughs> before you do, I'm hungry. Therefore, make me a little cake. Make me a little cake. Take what you have. And Elijah did not tell her, if you will give me the first, God will supernaturally provide for you. That's where the faith comes in. All he said was, you're going to go die? That's fine. But before you die, I'm hungry. Bring me a little cake first. And she prepares it for him, and he says, and then the barrel of meal will not waste, and the cruise of oil will not fail, because she obeyed the law. Watch this. Listen to this. I, I, I said all that to say this. Elijah, God did not send Elijah to the widow so the widow could sustain Elijah. God sent Elijah to the widow so the widow could sustain the widow. 
God did not send you to this church so you could sustain this church. God sent you to this church to give you an opportunity to come into alignment with the law of the first and then because you came into alignment, God sent you to this church so you could sustain you. That's what he says to the little boy's lunch. Give me the boy, give me the little boy's lunch. Give me the little boy's lunch. There are 5,000 people here. I know, but you got to give me what you got because I'm going to bless it. But I can't bless what you haven't given. I'm going to teach this in a couple of weeks. And I can't multiply what's not been blessed. So all, the, all this stuff, we want the blessing. We want all this stuff. You, can't, you, cannot, uh, you cannot pray enough. You cannot confess enough. You cannot shout enough. You can't listen to enough Creflo Dollar and Joyce Meyer to get inside the blessing when you refuse to obey the principle. Now, I don't know. I'm going to assume. I, I literally do not know. I'm going to assume that everybody in our church are biblical tithers and they tithe 10% and give over and above and I shout and all this is meant to do is to give you an encouragement to say, look at what God's doing. I, I literally do not know. That is not the point. The point is there is a blessed life that God has waiting on you. But before anything gets released toward you, there's some things we've got to release toward God. Look, I'm, I'm talking about you being blessed, people. Going. This could transform your life. Would it be nice not to worry about how my kids are going to get go to college? Would it be nice to wonder? Uh, I don't know how I'm going to buy my kids a car when they turn sixteen. Would it be nice? I'd like to go on vacation. I'd like to have a new and just not be freaking out and stressed out. Would it be great to go through Christmas and not be financially stressed? And thank God for American Express, or there won't be no Christmas in this house. <laughs> I have never put a Christmas on a credit card, and I will never put a Christmas on a credit card. We will make a craft before we put Christmas on a credit card. You hearing what I'm saying? The principle. Now, this is completely countercultural to what America tells you to do, right? Save up. Get your retirement in place, and I think you should. Fully fund your pension. Take, rest assured that the government's going to take care of you because they're wonderful money managers. $22 trillion later, can't even, I can't even write that out on a piece of paper. Right? Because this is what we tell people, because you got to have a solid financial future. Got to have a solid future. And I believe, I believe, I believe you got to have a solid future. The number one step to having a solid future is you make God get his first. If God doesn't get his first, that means your abundance is completely predicated upon how the American economy is doing. But when God gets his first, it doesn't matter who gets elected and who's going to war with who. It becomes God res God's responsibility because I gave you the first, and then you've got to see to it that everything I need comes after it. Somebody give Jesus a shout. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. You guys ain't got to come back up. You guys ain't got to come back up. Stand up on your feet. Will, come on up and, and, uh, and tickle them keys for me. Are y'all with me this morning? <laughs> Y'all do know we're Pentecostal, right? Right? We're not Presbyterian, 
God love them. I love Presbyterians. We're not Baptists. I'm, I once was a Baptist. We're Pentecostal. And we believe in making a demand on the word of God. Amen. And I don't believe life has to be hell on earth and then you die. Right? There's some Christians, they're so offended about money, they read the scriptures about mansions in heaven and get offended. Well, I just don't think that's right. <laughs> God's not, God didn't send you this church to sustain this church. God sent you this church for you to sustain you. Our church is going to be fine. If I have to go fish and pull some money out of a fish's mouth, I'll do it. Church is going to be fine. Elijah, you're not going there because you're hungry. Elijah, you're going to her because she's hungry, and you give her an opportunity to get into alignment with my principle. Y'all see that? This is an opportunity for you to get into alignment with the principle. I cannot wait. I, 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 I want to see, see our church full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, God moving. I, 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 see, I see the days when, when our church is on their face in prayer and worship and intercession because we're burning in the Holy Ghost and we're weeping over a city that's lost. That's who we are. I can't wait to see that. And I also can't wait to see when a single mom comes in and says, I got a job and I'm making more money now than I've ever made in my life. Because when I was making $18,000 a year, I got into alignment with the principle and then God bless me. I want to hear about how you're burning. I do, I do. And I also want to hear about how you're walking in the blessing. And it starts with this principle. This is what I'm going to teach for the next two, for two more weeks. Can I do that? I'm going to. It's my church. I'll preach if I want to. And if you, if we can come into alignment, our church gives, our church tithes, every dime that comes into this church, every dollar that comes in here, we take a tenth and we say, God, you get yours first. You get yours first. You get yours first. And it, don't, it, go, it goes out of the house. It doesn't go to anybody else. It goes out of the house because you're going to get yours first. And then I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide. And for the size of church we are, the, gen, the level of giving for the size of church we are is four times what it should be. You know why? Because God got his first. And now it's your responsibility, Lord, to provide for us. And he's never failed me yet. Lift those hands to him. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for your ways of doing things. We thank you, Father. You're a good, good Father. Bring that down just a touch, Will. Father, we thank you that you're a good, good Father. And your heart is to bless us. Oh, hallelujah. Your heart is to empower us. And we come into alignment with your word. And we say, you get yours first. And we thank you. And the church shouted, hallelujah. Come on, church, shout hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.